Good morning, everyone. One uh, brief encouragement. I've preached on this before, but I never know how many of you have been here for how long. Um, so I'm not going to preach about this today, but I want to encourage you to look at this. Today, our gospel is the storm on the Sea of Galilee, which is the title of one of the most famous paintings ever made. Uh, so Rembrandt painted a, a painting by that name. Um, it was stolen from the Boston Art Museum, I think, in the early 2000s. And it's among, it is the greatest like, art uh, heist in all of history. But that painting is amazing. And I would encourage you, this is a great thing today, go home and look at that painting. Beauty is not ancillary to the Christian faith. Beauty is not an add-on. It is not something that we can live without. Beauty is at the heart of the identity of God. And artists, in their vocation, they can help you and I to learn how to pray. And I don't mean just to pray and say, God, fix this in my life, fix that. Those are fine prayers, by the way. I pray them all the time. But they can help lead us to a deeper level of the mystery of what happened on that boat when Jesus slept during the storm. And Rembrandt has some amazingly powerful things to, to say through that. If anybody wants to stay after Mass, we can do a second homily and we'll talk about it. Um, okay. Today's Father's Day, and so today I want to try to weave our readings together with that beautiful mission of fatherhood, uh, something that is so necessary, so important, such a gift of God in our world. And I want to try to tie those together, and today what I want to do that through is I want to talk about story. If you've been at Lourdes very long, you know that one of my favorite quotes is from the beginning of the book Night, from Elie Wiesel. And in the beginning of that book, right, there's two rabbis talking, and you always have to say, this isn't a joke, this is serious. It's not one rabbi said to the other rabbi. It's actually true. It's deep stuff. It's no laughing. Um, but so one rabbi at the beginning, uh, an intro, just on the very title page of Night, he asks a second rabbi, and he says, why did God create man? And the second rabbi says, because he loves stories. And that's one of the best answers in all of history as to why God created humanity. God loves stories. And so do you and I. There's nothing better than a great story. There's nothing worse than a bad story. When I talk to, to seminarians and our two new priests who are coming, I always tell them one of the things that we have to be so good at is we have to master the art of telling a good story. A good story makes us childlike again, right? Don't you love it? Yeah, I know it's a both and, but don't you love it when you read a story to a child and they say, do it one more time. Read that story, tell it again, right? It's like after Mass, and you're like, Father Brian, can you just preach again? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, there's a noon Mass. Come back, right? It's beautiful. And when a bad story happens, we're just kind of let down, right? It doesn't go well. Um, and so sometimes, right, one of my favorite stories is uh, Les Mis. And if you haven't read the book, it's an investment, but it is so worth it. Les Mis is way better in the book form than in any movie or play. It's so much better. And it's a story of 
judgment and justice, and it's a story of redemption and mercy. It is a story of tremendous love, right, and a story of tremendous conflict. And it's a book, right, that just rips your heart out of your chest. It's amazing. We've all had bad stories, too. When I was on vacation recently, I was with some friends, and one of the guys on our trip, he said, let's watch epic movies from the 80s and 90s. And so we watched, don't laugh, there were epic movies of the 80s and 90s. But we watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I'm like, yes, that is such a great movie. And then one night, everybody's like, what's another epic movie? And we couldn't think of one. And I was trying to think back to like the 80s and 90s, and I was naming off names, and I said, Encino Man. That is the worst movie ever made. <laughs> if you ever run Netflix or Amazon and you see Encino Man, do not watch it. It's terrible. Nothing's worse than a bad story, but nothing's better than a great story. Fathers, and for all of us today, one of the things I want to talk to you about the life of every human being is a stepping into the great story that God has written. You and I get this brief moment, and we call it a lifetime. We didn't write the story, but we get a moment where we're called on stage. And it is the best story that any of us could imagine. And dads, you and I as fathers, we need to know that story well. We need to be on the stage. We need to be engaged in that story so we can pass it on to the people we love in our lives. I would say our wives, but your wives and to our children, right? We need to do that. And so Chesterton today is going to help us a little bit. Chesterton says this. He says, the perfect happiness of men on earth will not be a flat and solid thing. If you want happiness in your life, here's what you need. We're always tempted, every one of us, to think happiness is pleasure and comfort and a nice, smooth ride. But you know what would happen if that was your life? You would get bored. No one who has smooth sailing through their life has a great story. The perfect happiness of men on the earth will not be a flat and solid thing, like the satisfaction of animals. Right? You know when you go to work and you've got a tough day ahead of you and you, you look down and your dog's sleeping and you know they're going to sleep for like the next six hours and you're like, oh, I wish I was a dog. Right? No, you don't. I mean, I've been there. But we are made for more than that. You would never be happy if that was your life. We all sometimes wish life was easier, and we have these dreams and hopes of an easier life. Brothers and sisters, God did not make you for an easy life. He created your heart and soul and your very body for greatness. To be a part of an amazing story. So Chesterton says that could never make us happy. He goes on, he says, it will be, right, happiness, it will be an exact and perilous balance like that of a desperate romance. 
that why we love Romeo and Juliet? It's this desperate romance. And it's exciting. It's full of adventure and hope and despair. The happiness of men will be an exact and perilous balance like that of a desperate romance. Man must have just enough faith in himself to have adventures and just enough doubt of himself to enjoy them. I love that line. Man must have just enough faith in himself to have adventures and just enough doubt of himself to enjoy them. Dads, I want to call you today that you and I, first and foremost in our own lives, we need to model this, but we have to be the messengers to those we love, that we have to have enough faith, first and foremost in God, but in ourselves, to go out of that door, to risk something, to live a great story, to live our lives for something more than pleasure or money or comfort or power, to have an adventure for God. But we also have to know that evil is real and so there's doubt out there. We're going to get to our gospel with this. One more line from Chesterton, though. I just love this. If you have not read this book, you can't be Catholic. It's called Orthodoxy. There's two copies left in our bookshelf. Um, Orthodoxy is amazing. This is one of my favorite books. I know I say that every Sunday, but it's true. One more line. And dads, I want you to think about this, and every one of us. The reason the structure of adventure in a human life has its structure because there is evil in the world. There is evil in this world, and oftentimes our culture wants to dismiss that. As Christian men, you and I know there is evil. And our role as men has a great deal to do with how we react and confront evil in the world. So Chesterton says this, he says, In the upper world, hell once rebelled against heaven. In the upper world, hell once rebelled against heaven. Before the world was created, Satan rebelled against God and his love. But in this world, heaven is rebelling against hell. But in this world, heaven is rebelling against hell. For the Orthodox, there can always be a revolution. For a revolution is a restoration. Here's what Chesterton is getting at. When Satan rebelled against God, he was cast to this earth. When Adam and Eve fell, Satan became the prince of this world. And Christianity is a revolution it is an uprising against the powers of hell in this world. That's what it is. And because of that, dads, you and I have two jobs. They're very simple. We have two jobs. And our gospel today is going to help us see this. The first job, men, you and I are called to courage. St. Thomas Aquinas says that courage is the willingness to suffer for what is good. 
the willingness to suffer for what is good. We all know it. I don't think this is a problem in the Lord, so I'm not going to preach about this today, but it's a massive problem in our country. The greatest crisis in our culture, as Barack Obama said in his first term as president, the greatest crisis in our culture is a crisis of fatherhood. Because so many children in our country grow up where there will never be a dad at home. It's the greatest crisis in our culture. I don't think that's our problem here at Lourdes. And so I'm not going to spend time on that, but that matters. Dads, you and I, first and foremost, we had to have courage. And so today in the gospel, in Mark chapter 5, we have the crossing of the Sea of Galilee. And I love the way Jesus does this. What Jesus does, right, and so he's been speaking in parables. And on that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And a great storm of wind arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Here's the first thing. In Scripture, very frequently, water becomes the symbol of evil and of the chaos of the world that does not know God. And the first thing that Jesus shows us today is he gets in the boat. Dads, you and I are not called just to tell our children they're safe. We are not told just or commanded to tell them that everything is going to be okay. You and I are called to get in the boat. We go with those we love. We suffer with them and for them. And there's nothing better. Remember when you were a kid? And when you hear this all the time, right? Little kids are like, their dad can do anything. My nieces and nephews with my brother Sean, they're like, they're like, Uncle Brian, dad could be on American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> and I'm like, I could be on an American Ninja Warrior. And they're like, no, you couldn't. <laughs> I'm like, you little punk, I will show you. I mean, first priest on American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> but they feel that, my brother's kids, right? Dad can do anything. Dad can fix any situation. Dad can rescue me from any problem because dad is strong and courageous and my dad would give his life for me. That reality is the foundation of civilization. When that's present, kids grow up healthy they know they're loved. They know the world is good. And they know their dad will always be there for them. Until they become teenagers and they're like, Dad, you're a chump, right? <laughs> so that's the first part. Jesus gets in the boat today and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And today, for all of us, you should know that. This is important just in our general Christian life. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is king of all creation. He is not threatened by evil. You and I are threatened by evil. He is not. 
Jesus is Lord over all things. And he holds them in his hand. The second point today is this, though. So this is in Luke chapter 4. What a good father does, so evil is present in the world. And dads, you and I, first and foremost, we show our kids and you show your wives that you will suffer in the face of evil for what is good. In, or in Mark chapter 5, however, though, actually I think it's 6. How embarrassing. 645. <laughs> I know you were all thinking that, like, it's chapter 6, FB. In Mark 6.45, Jesus has a second scene much like the gospel today. In Mark chapter 6, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. This is the scene. There will be another storm. There's another boat. The, Jesus, the disciples get in the boat. They're crossing. There's a storm. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus walks on the water to them. But there's a difference this time. This time, Jesus sent them by themselves. And then he followed after them. The early church understood that oftentimes what Jesus is doing in the Gospels is he's training the twelve to become a certain type of man. He doesn't just give us commandments. He leads us. He walks with us. He guides us. And he builds us up so that you and I can be men and women of Christian maturity. And here's the second point. Right? So the second thing, evil's in the world, right? So we defend our wives and our children. But secondly, men, you and I raise up our families so that they themselves will fight evil in this world. God does not want men and women who just know that they're loved, but become weak. Fathers, we want our kids, right, a temptation for every dad is to say, I will fix all of your problems. And at a certain age, that's beautiful and that's good and true. But there's a temptation to say, I'll do that your whole life. I'll shelter you from difficulty. I'll protect you from evil. And if we do that with our kids, we have not raised them up to become men and women of courage themselves. To be courageous is to be willing to suffer for what is good. We need our kids to be that. I was laughing at the last Mass, you know, my parents still want to do this. I bet yours do too. And you, you as parents probably still do this with your older kids. When I see my mom, she's like, are those Lord's people feeding you? Are they taking, did you get a nasty letter? Tell me who it was. <laughs> right? And by the way, send me one more. I can tell you who you are. Tell my mom who you are. She's coming after you, right? <laughs> my mom and dad, they still like, like they'll be a mass tonight. My mom and dad still want me to move in with them. They're like, Brian, come home. I'm like, no. <laughs> I love you. But no. This world, God created us for story. 
every one of you in this church, the temptation for us is to think the great story of my life is that I'm made to be successful. I'm made to be comfortable. I am made to be popular or beautiful or handsome, whatever it might be. That is a lie. One of the ways Satan gets us is he gets us believing in the wrong story. That is not your story. Your story is of a man or a woman who God created to fight for things that matter. A hundred years from now, and people look back at your life, and they say, my grandparents stood up in a time when our culture hated marriage, when people hated the very bodies that God gave them, and we decided that we could make them up as we so saw fit. In a world where we believed in politics more than in the kingdom of God, my grandparents stood up, and they lived lives of courage. That's the Christian story. We have to believe in that. I want to leave you with this today. God always goes first. Christianity is not the story of how you and I figured it out and did amazing things. Christianity is the story of how God saved the world. And then the story was so incredible that he invited us to be a part of it. In our second reading today, I want to leave you with this. 2 Corinthians 5, one of the most powerful chapters in the entire New Testament. 2 Corinthians 5, 15. Love this verse. He died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. God always goes first. Just like a good father. Right? Jesus, who is the presence of God the Father in his incarnation in this world, he died for all. Right? Jesus, you went first and you died for me so that those who live might live no longer for themselves. Right? To be a Christian means that my old life where I lived for myself has to die. The story I've told myself, which is about how successful I am, how comfortable I am, how much I enjoy my life, that story has to die. But guess what? Jesus died first. He showed me how to do it. He let go of everything that was his and he left it behind so that I could look at him and say, wow, I want to be like that. Lord, I know I'm loved. I know that you gave me two amazing parents who are amazing role models for me and loved me from before I was born. But God, I know that you did it from all of eternity. Jesus, you got in my boat. You came into this world. You died first and gave up everything. And Jesus, you called me not to comfort, but to greatness. Lord, today bless all of our fathers. Make them courageous and strong. Give them faith, hope, and charity. May they protect and defend their families. May they be courageous. 
And Jesus, may they empower all of their children so that they might live lives of greed.